0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. We have an interesting discussion on the table before us today, and that's concerning Islam. And um, one of the reasons I'm excited about talking about this is because, John, you used to teach world religions at uh, a local university. One thing we can learn is that um, the Christian... It's it's a healthy thing actually, to learn about other points of view and other religions, and it only serves, I think, to bolster the Christian position as we learn about others more and more. So today we do want to learn a little bit about Islam and, in particular, about the formation of the whole movement. Maybe something about Muhammad and his role. So John, maybe you can get us started today. Uh,
1: The question. Uh, that many people have on their minds, I believe, is, is Islam a peaceful religion? Our politicians have addressed that, and uh, President Bush and President Obama both have assured us that Islam is a peaceful religion. But it's much more complicated than that. For instance, the word Islam does not mean peace, as many people think. It actually means submission, And it means submission to uh, Allah and to, as we'll discuss here briefly, it's a big term, Sharia. It means Islamic codes and law. And uh, so it's not necessarily uh, what many people think. And I think you have to go back to the founding to begin to get a picture of what Islam is at its heart.
0: Was the founder Muhammad?
1: Uh, Yes, the founder was Muhammad. He received... Revelations from God, uh, from Allah. And the word Allah simply is the Arabic word for God. So uh, many Christians who are Arabic uh, talk of God as being Allah. So Mm -hmm. it's just a generic term.
0: What's the time frame?
1: Well, Muhammad was born in, I believe, 670. And uh, he died in 732. Uh, He was uh, about 40 years of age when he began to receive... Uh, his revelations outside the city of mecca he would go into a cave in the mountains hmm. and receive revelations and it continued over the span of his lifetime even after they had made the immigration to medina and where he became in charge of the city there and he was dominant over the other tribes the jewish and the christians and he continued to receive revelations and most of the 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 revelation that we're concerned about—that uh, is, the the uh, chapters and verses in the Quran uh, that have to do with holy war—actually occur during this period. Mm-hmm. But uh, its its founding is important to discuss.
0: Were there uh, areas from Christianity and Judaism that were borrowed over to Islam?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Yes, uh, particularly from uh, Judaism, mm. uh, the Old Testament, of course, the Torah. And uh, then, of also the Gospels uh they he borrowed some from the Gospels. Hmm. It seems to me it's clear in 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 uh, but they understand the the Old Testament and the New Testament differently than Christians do. They believe that we have corrupted our texts, and their version of these things is much more in line with their own understanding of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they dispute a great deal, for instance, that Jesus actually uh, died on a cross and rose from the dead.
0: Here in America, as we perhaps turn on the news at night or hear it over the radio, we hear a lot of violence going on, and um, the the current concern over ISIS, our president mm-hmm. likes to call it ISIL. <laughs> um, you know, since nine eleven, um, there's been a lot of concern over terrorism. It just strikes me odd, almost, that to spread a religion, uh, it's okay to. Strap a bomb on your body and walk into a crowd of people I, I look at that and i it's like I shake my head i think what's what's going on did Did that sort of thing come from Muhammad?
1: Well, yes, there is a connection uh, Muhammad uh, was harsh to those outside of his own people the mm. The Muslim people are called the Ummah, and uh, Muslim means to to submit. Uh, I I might clear up one thing here. Islam is the word for the religion, and Muslim is the word for the follower. Mm -hmm. So those who submitted, of course, uh, are called Muslims. At first, actually, they were just simply called believers, and then it morphed into Muslim. It became more prominent. Uh, But yes, you find in Muhammad's own life that he was uh, very harsh toward those without, and he actually, in the Medina phase of his life, instituted holy war into Islam. It's an establishment, just like you have a Supreme Court that's Mm -hmm. been established. It's part of the warp and woof of Islam. So that can be traced back to him, yes.
0: In our tradition here in America, there's uh, what we call separation of church and state. Is there anything like that in in Islam?
1: Uh, Islam has no understanding of separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's interesting to see the role that Muhammad really had in the community. He not only was the the uh, spiritual head, he was a general of the army. Hmm. He was a judge. He also was an exemplar, meaning that he was an example for other people to follow. One of the reasons that uh, Muslims oppose drawing Muhammad is that he has a status that no other human being really has as the oh, prophet. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And uh and it's it's profane it's to to draw him uh in any way shape or form. Uh he has a certain position and everything that he did with respect to his life uh becomes uh, a model for others to follow. For instance, the way he ate, what he ate, for instance, the way he ate, the way he conducted his sexual life, the way he uh cleansed himself and took baths, whatever he did, that all became part of of the way to follow him because that was uh, achieving a kind of perfection to do so.
0: Is there a difference between, um, let's say, the sects of... Um, you, you hear about different groups of people over in the Middle East, uh, the Kurds, or, or what's the difference between all of these?
1: Well, under the fourth caliph and let me explain what a caliph is a caliph is is one who succeeded muhammad there were there were the first four are considered to be the rightly guided but under the fourth muhammad's relation ali uh there was a a civil war and and islam had lots of strife and civil war particularly following muhammad's death Hmm. and by the fourth caliph islam divided into two two groups uh, into Sunni Islam and Shia Islam. Shia Islam is much smaller, maybe 15% of the total amount of Muslims. But under those two headings, there's all kinds of splits and divisions. Islam is extremely fragmented.
0: What is the folks in Iran?
1: Well, the, the, the folks in Iran are Shia. They're Persians. Okay. And they have a a, a strong cultural difference with the Arab world. And they are natural enemies and have been for centuries. So that's why they're bombing each other's mosques and suicide bombers and so forth. And it's it's actually terrible over there. It is. It's, it's the strife between the two groups. But then Shia Islam is divided into many different groups, uh, and so are the Sunnis. And there's another group that most people have been exposed to through uh, poetry and so forth. And... Um, these are the poets and stuff that you find in more mild groups in Turkey and so forth. And so a lot of Westerners have become familiar with that form of Islam and and uh, not really the strong heart of Sunni Islam or Shia Islam.
0: Is, mm-hmm. is there a name to that part?
1: Uh, yes, there is a name for them. They're called Sufis. Mm-hmm. And they're also known as the Whirling Dervishes.
0: A lot of names here.
1: <laughs> Whirling dervishes—you might look that up online. Sometimes they yeah. do a dance <laughs> and swirl to the rhythm of the of the motion of the earth and so forth. It's it's quite an interesting. But they're the milder form of Islam, and uh, they're the
0: mystics. You know, I keep thinking back. Um, you know, way before nine eleven and all of that, um, I, I worked in a major corporation back in another life. <laughs> And different people would walk through the doors, and you'd have to work with them. There was this one young man; I liked him a lot. He's a black man, and uh, his name was Mohammed. We got along just fine. I, I think he was uh, like a moderate Muslim or something. I didn't know anything about it in those days, you know. And, and it's like, you know, after nine eleven, your guard goes up. And mm-hmm. and but uh, he was a great guy. Um, it seems like there's. There's Muslims and there's Muslims. You know, there, there's some that that really understand their faith and have a militant edge to them. This is the Elmendorf way of looking at the world, which is very simple. And there's some that maybe don't know their faith too much, and uh, they're just a friendly chap. Uh, that, that's how I've observed uh, people in life.
1: Yes, Islam, or Muslims, I should say, are a mixed bag yeah. when it comes yeah. to... Uh, it seems like, though, the more that you follow Muhammad and that real strict early tradition, uh, the more violence you will see in Islamic communities. It
0: does come across.
1: For instance, uh, Muhammad was responsible for beheading six to 800 Jewish uh, members of a tribe uh, that opposed him. He felt that they had betrayed him, and so he he brought the men to the edge of a big pit that was dug the day before. And six to eight hundred uh, members of this uh, dominant Jewish tribe in Medina were beheaded. Their wives and children uh, were sold into slavery. Mm-hmm. And so Muhammad's track record, from uh, Western standpoints, is uh, is very checkered to say the least. Yeah, and he did institute holy war in Medina, oh, and yeah, so I it it is, it is it is part of Islam.
0: Is that jihad?
1: Yeah, jihad. Uh, jihad means two things. They call one meaning the lesser jihad and the other meaning the greater jihad. Uh, jihad appears in the Quran, and uh, I'll talk about this in a second. The Hadiths—they're hmm. the. Well, let me just say it now: they're the they're the news reports of what Muhammad did, what he believed, and how he behaved, and they became secondary to the Quran. And these two documents form what is called Sharia that so many people talk about.
0: Oh, so that's where we get this Sharia yes, law from. Yeah. There's oh. a
1: code that covers everything, not just God's law, but custom, hmm. uh, so many things. Uh, but jihad means both holy war and striving for self-improvement. The greater jihad is striving for self-improvement and every Muslim is supposed to try to improve themselves. We have Something akin to it in Christianity called the doctrine of mortifications, where you put to death your sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the lesser jihad is called holy war, and it's actually more prominent in some of the founding documents, of the, for instance, the Quran and the Hadith, than you find the greater jihad.
0: It seems like it'd be the other way around. Well,
1: it seems like it'd be the other way around, and I believe that some Muslim apologists trick the American public by pointing out that jihad means to strive for self-improvement. Yes, But that's just uh, a part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Muhammad did institute holy war as an institution in Islam. And it was practiced and therefore there's justification for these modern uh, radical movements uh, to practice the same thing, to Mm -hmm. spread Islam. It's it's a legitimate tool to spread Islam. Hmm.
0: Let's say you were a civil magistrate or you were in government of some sort. And um, you'd want to, what steps should, I don't know how to ask this, but what what steps should our government take to protect our people? Uh, I, I see government's role as, as a chief role, is as, as that of protecting our, our citizenry uh, in light of what Islam really is. You know, if you, if you get close to Muhammad and you embrace the jihad, let's say there's some that, that believe that or who are Coming across our borders or whatever what what steps should be taken to um, basically live at peace with these folks but but not let them run us well, over the
1: well, the government should take all precaution when particularly when Muslims are coming from certain regions from yeah. Sharia countries now some of them are coming because they're persecuted and they want freedom, but others are coming uh, to live in this country and uh, who knows what insidious uh, things are in their minds. Uh, there are terror cells, no doubt, in this country already. And it's a concern. The government has to be uh, very vigilant to protect against this, to protect the American people.
0: Seems like uh, it.
1: Uh, there's no question about it. And probably we have to deal with it uh, where the terrorists are active before they get here. That's the same thing to do. We can't allow them just to flood through our southern border, which is unprotected, and form
0: these cells. And well, you touched on something there. It seems to me that a real simple step is to basically shore up our border and stop illegal immigration from occurring.
1: Well, it's a national security issue. I
0: think uh, I think a fourth grader could figure that out.
1: And also, it's a security issue from a medical standpoint. These diseases are coming in from other these countries we right now yeah. have a uh, a very severe form of TB in the country. That's hard to treat, and it, it's new, and it's come from other countries. Mm. We, we don't check these things like we once did.
0: That's kind of scary and troubling at the same time. I, I pray that God will give us good leadership who goes to office and says, I don't care if I ever get voted in again. I am going to do the right thing, and I'm going to stop abusing my power to give out money maybe to people. Uh, to try to influence them to vote me back in. Uh, you know, I, I long for the day where we get good good government officials who want to do the right thing and, and maybe just simply listen to the Ten Commandments for a change and realize that stealing is wrong and killing is wrong and that sort of thing.
1: Well, the political class uh, in America today have uh, uh, are almost shameless in this area. Uh, of not speaking truth to the American people, not leveling with American people about the dangers that there are in allowing our borders to be open the way Mm. it is, Uh, it's undermining, no doubt, something of our economy. And one reason that wages are depressed is because of this.
0: Years ago, back in the 1940s, remember there was this thing called Pearl Harbor, and there was an attack. Those were then the early days of of radar and um they actually saw those planes coming but they didn't they didn't believe the signals they didn't believe the indicators and uh it, it's almost like uh I feel like in, in some ways it's analogous to what's happening today. We have indicators we have really strong signals um, you got the a Boston bombing not too long ago at the marathon and um it's like the um the we did another interview actually with John Whitehead of the Rutherford Institute, and we were talking about the Patriot Act and the NSA um, spying and kind of like an overreach in that. And 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 the fact is, if you pay attention to this to everybody rather than narrowing down your search and really looking for the terrorists, you will miss the terrorists. You know, if if if, if you get the system set up to look too deeply into John Vance or Dan Elmendorf, but you're not looking into what what would characterize a terrorist, you're going to miss the terrorist. And so the, the NSA or whoever's looking at this stuff needs to have a better construct um, and, and forget political correctness. We have to protect the American people.
1: Political correctness is part of the problem. Uh, we can't even profile people who get on an airplane like the Israelis do. The right. Israelis uh, have kept themselves safe yes. above everyone, and no, and no nation is a greater target.
0: To me, this is a no-brainer. Let's say you walk down particular streets. We live in the Kingston, New York area, um, and there's particular streets, and you see you see something. You see a particular individual. They're dressed a certain way. They're acting a certain way you kind of stay away because you automatically realize that could be dangerous here. And you may see them dealing drugs or whatever. There's certain characteristics. And to me, it's just common sense. You know, if somebody's carrying a baseball bat and they look really angry and they're hollering, I kind of want to stay away from them.
1: (laughs) Or if a certain breed of dog, let's say a pit bull, keeps biting people, then maybe you want to single that out to deal with it and i think that profiling uh can take for instance uh, through a few questions can figure out yeah. uh what this person is about and there are no there are no uh for instance uh, danish people that i know or swedish people that i know that are bombing the world no these people are coming from certain countries uh probably there are about 10 or 12 countries where all of the jihadists are coming from mm-hmm. and we can figure that out through uh through
0: interviews and things like that, but we don't do it. Some of this stuff is so common sense, and uh, we may be getting off the subject here, but um, even um, even when people go to vote, I, I believe that they should have to show an ID, you know, that you're really who you say you are. These, are. these are so easy to understand. Well, today we're talking about Islam, trying to understand it a bit more. John Vance is here, Dr. John Vance. Uh, he has taught world religions. Uh, he, of course, he used to be senior pastor at Westminster Church in Rock Tabard, New York. Uh, He's also done a lot of um, professorship at schools and uh, is very used to teaching world religion. So uh, I appreciate you joining us today, Dr. Vance. Um, Maybe some wrap-up thoughts and uh, some guidelines for how we should think about Islam as Christians.
1: Well, Islam is a mixed bag. Uh, It's very diverse and so forth, and there are uh, no doubt many, many, many uh, Muslims that are uh, have the best intentions and want to be part of Western civilization, and and they want to improve their family life and so sure. forth. But they do have to move away somewhat from the core of Islamic belief and the following of Muhammad the way they did.
0: At least be a little bit more like my friend and that I knew who was named Muhammad, and was very truly a peaceful man. What about evangelism? Um, we believe that jesus is the only way of salvation uh is there any hope here
1: oh i i it's an amazing thing of what's happening this is under the radar but uh in north africa in particular uh there have been millions of people who've converted from islam to christianity uh i think one of the reasons that uh, you have so much civil strife in countries like nigeria and so forth is because uh, that is a fact of those societies, and and the extremists are fighting back. There's no question. Boko Haram, for instance, and um, the bombing of churches, the bombing of Christians, the bombing of their prayer meetings. Mm-hmm. I would say there are about three things that Christians should do. Number one, pray for the Islamic world. It is going through an extraordinary transition period in its life. I think we, in some ways, might be seeing the crack up of of uh, this uh, hard religious exterior Mm -hmm. Uh, number two uh, i think we have to continue to send missionaries uh, to those countries now they have to be wise and safe but nonetheless i think that it's great that we go and do particularly humanitarian missions Mm -hmm. it it does have an impact and the third thing that i think we need to do is to engage our neighbors here in this country more and more you're going to have muslim neighbors Oh yeah. And they're going to be doctors and lawyers uh uh and that's the professional class mainly has uh, have come here people in technical yeah. fields but but eventually it'll be just ordinary people mm-hmm. uh, and there are a number now driving cabs doing things and it's a matter of engagement. Uh I I can say this I had a Muslim taxi cab driver in Nashville Tennessee that queried me to death from the airport to <laughs> my my hotel about uh, about Jesus and uh and Trinitarian theology.
0: Yes. Jesus said that uh, the fields are white unto harvest and uh, pray that the Lord will send forth people. We need to be doing that. So um, it's important to have a balanced perspective, I think. It's one thing to identify an enemy that's coming in that wants to you know, do you harm. It's another thing to realize uh, many, many people can be open to the gospel and, and God, by his Holy Spirit, as the word is preached and shared, um, will win these hearts to himself.
1: Well, the Bible says, uh, of course, you know the verse, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love, of self-control. Mm-hmm. And while we have to be on guard, that is our nation, on the other hand, uh, we are to pray for those uh, uh, that are our enemies and to befriend those. Uh, that we meet And mm. I, I think it's 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 A it's a wonderful opportunity for evangelism Today
0: I want to thank you for joining us today Dr. John Vance We've been talking about Islam Perhaps you have a question for us uh, We'd love to hear from you Our email address is Ministry at RedeemerBroadcasting.org And uh, this broadcast Is up on our website as a podcast Feel free to check it out Our address is RedeemerBroadcasting.org also, please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. Oh, let it freely
2: burn Till earthly passions turn To dust and ashes in its heat consumes My glorious life. Shall far outpass the power of human telling, for none can guess its grace. Till.